Thank you so much for supporting this podcast by buying a copy of the book, The Force of Destiny. Your support is just so important to me. This podcast is totally a labor of love. I am not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I absolutely love these characters and I love these stories. When I get feedback from listeners, it just gives me more and more enthusiasm to keep writing. I am currently writing the final book of this series. So if you have something to say about the podcast, something you've enjoyed, some criticism that you think will help me make it better, I'm happy to receive that. You can email me at podcast at ericedstrom.com. Chapter 10. A Dull Thump Life as an acolyte of Till was not nearly as bad as that of the Hargus prisoners. This Henley told himself like a mantra. He had food, a bunk to lie in, and he didn't have to worry about hiding from Donesmasters. He was surrounded by them. That he was still a prisoner was undeniable, but now that he was deep inside Till's tower, he saw certain advantages to it. First, he didn't have to conceal his Mercus power. In fact, the Donesmasters required he use it. They assumed he was a simpleton, without the first idea of how to perform simple feats with the power, in that they were in error. But he got to practice aspects of his power freely, and that was nice. He enjoyed the Mercus. The second advantage was that they had grouped him with the novitiates tasked with keeping Dun Eples from killing everyone. The trick to blocking the insane Donesmaster's Mercus was quite interesting. If only he'd known it those times the Hargath had tortured his mind. Dun Eples had grown in power since Henley had been neighbors with him in the dungeon cells deep beneath the Cathedral of Till in Starside. Eples had likely been among the more powerful Donesmasters in Starside. Here he would have been an average spark. But something had happened during the sea voyage to Garden Island. Henley had kept the man sedated using the supply of drugged boluses provided by Finta Song. Perhaps the prolonged stupor had allowed the man to find refuge in the Mercus and thereby increase his power. Or perhaps he truly was the champion of Till, as Highest Flay said, and his immense power was a divine gift. Henley sat in his chair at Dunipel's head, not because he was special outside this great chamber, but because he was the most powerful Merculin on this shift, and that meant he controlled the power the others produced. The others Four of them now, as one had been added since Dun Eples had decapitated Acolyte Aaron with a chain, served as source taps for him. That, too, was a valuable thing to experience. Their power was considerable, and it all flowed to him. Those serving as source taps found their two-hour shifts dull, as they were not allowed to read or talk to each other. But Henley enjoyed his shifts, for the power he received was more than what was required to keep Dun Eples from getting up to any mischief. This meant he could practice other skills without notice. Nothing too elaborate. His first experiments were to deaden the stink of Dun Eples' waste buckets. Removing odors had proved to be rather easy once he understood the principle of it. Blocking the madman was what gave him the idea— 
since he had to form continuous bolts of negating senses and encircle Ebel's mind with them. Dun Portchalon, the kindly old don'smaster in charge of the quelling team, had marveled at how quickly Henley had learned the skill. Henley had not told anyone that he had once performed a time reign to keep Dun Ebels from killing Kyla Sai. In Till's tower, secrets are power, Novitiate Absalon had told him. The dark-skinned boy had been talking about his trade and gossip, but Henley had understood a deeper wisdom in the words. The other four boys serving as source taps at the moment were not friends of Henley's, but they'd showed him grudging respect due to his facility with the Mercasine. Ulick and Vinnick were brothers. Reen and Tornlin were both twenty and not ever going to be Donesmasters. Both had the fat apathy of men who had given up all ambition and resigned themselves to being bossed around, giving tongue lashings both deserved and undeserved, and whose sole aim was to hoard food and drink for occasional overindulgence during free time. They fed Henley power, and now he fed a bit of it, just a trickle, to Dunneeples. Henley thought it a pretty fancy trick. He had some theories about how food provided a body sustenance, some of it learned during his own lean weeks after his father's great house had been burned to the ground, leaving him homeless in Cheapskate. Even as he barred Yeeples from accessing the Mercasine, he fed some to him. It was not as sustaining as actual food would have been, but so far he'd kept Yeeples strong, maybe made him stronger in some ways, by trickling a bolt of Mercus into him. It was a very general bolt, including the taste of fresh bread, the thirst-quenching feel of cool water on the throat, the soothing sound of a mother's song, the smell of hard black tea, and the vision of a blue sky. Henley had started the bolt seeking to calm the man, to ease his apparent suffering. It hadn't worked, but Henley was patient. Only after a week of doing this during his three daily two-hour shifts did it occur to him that he was sustaining the man. Without water, the man should have died by now. There had to be more to Henley's Mercasine elixir, a term he had coined, than even he understood. The sound of the huge wooden door being unbolted and creaking open on its great hinges brought Henley's head up. He cut off his rogue Mercasine bolt. The next shift was ready to take over. Henley stood, still maintaining the quell on Yeeples. He waited until he felt Dun D form his own quelling bolt. At a nod from D, Henley dropped his bolt, and D took over. The source taps were stretching and yawning. Henley led them from the chamber. An enormous novitiate called Wad, who had no Mercasine spark, served as a doormaster and guard. He was at least thirty and would have been better suited to serving in an army or a city watch. But he was devoted to Till, small black eyes full of serious piety. He slid the thick iron bolt into place and returned to his chair. The novitiates trailed after Henley to a small side room where food was always laid out for queller teams. Fruit, bread, smoked meat. It was good. Henley stuffed his face. No words were exchanged. They were not friends with each other, except the brothers Ulick and Vinnick. They were not great conversationalists, anyway. 
Henley had gotten used to being alone among all these men. The women were another thing entirely. The favored of Till were slaves in all but name. As a novitiate, Henley was not permitted to talk to them, but he thought about them, dreamed about a few of them, one in particular. He didn't know her name. There was no way to find out without asking, and he wasn't supposed to talk about them, much less ask their names. He gave this one a name, Suan, after a heroine in a story he'd liked as a boy. She kept this room stocked with food. He usually saw her when he arrived early for his second shift of the day. She was in her mid-twenties, slim, pretty. There was a difference in her eyes from most of the other favored. She looked unspeakably sad. The others looked placid, resigned. Not Suan. Her soft brow furrowed when she noticed him noticing her. Not from anger or irritation, but from caution. Sometimes he'd spy her from the hall and just stand there and watch her. He liked how her lips moved as she worked. She was singing, but without sound. If he focused his mercosine senses, he could hear her breath forming words. He longed to hear her sing out. No vitiate Henley Mast! Henley jerked up, startled to hear his name fill the small room. The other novitiates twisted to look at the door, mouths open to expose unchewed bits of food. Do not make me repeat myself. It was Seeker Jan. If there was a man Henley hated more in Till's Tower, it would only be Highest Flay himself. The Seeker had tried to abduct Henley and Rajan right at the docks when they'd arrived at the island. He stood and went to the Seeker, schooling his face into what he hoped looked like obedient curiosity. Come with me, the seeker said. He didn't wait for acknowledgement, but turned and strode off. Henley kept pace, but chose to stay behind the man. The seeker was very sensitive to position, so walking alongside him might be seen as reaching. The man led Henley up three flights of stairs and into the observation loge, where the highest-ranking donesmasters used to observe the training in the arena below. All that one could see now was Dunyeeple's straining against his chains. That man should be dead, Seeker Yan said. He has been without food and water for four weeks. But look how his muscles bulge, how his brow sweats. He is possessed of a great madness, Seeker, Henley said. No madness can drive a man's body beyond its till-granted capabilities. Someone is providing him with food and drink. A slight tremor passed through Henley's mind. Was the man probing him? The seeker was a babe compared to the Hargath. Henley knew how to ward his mind from such intrusions now if he chose. How is that possible? Henley asked. To slip him food would require the cooperation of an entire Queller team. The seeker wouldn't be taking Henley aside if he didn't suspect Henley of aiding the man. Had he felt Henley's little mercosine reinforcements flowing into the man? If so, he was more sensitive to the Mercus than Henley had suspected. He had been so careful. You suspect me? Henley said, forcing the soft tone of amazement in his words. He'd never been a natural liar. I see. You suspect me because the other Queller teams are led by full Donesmasters. The hawk-eyed man stared at Henley without saying another word. Kneel. Henley knelt. The man placed his strong, slender fingers on Henley's head. 
The Mercus was a haze around the man, and Henley felt the bolts forming around him. So slow compared to the Hargath, who always struck like lightning. Henley's scalp warmed as a syrupy, silky piece flowed through his head and shoulders. He noted the use of honey flavor and the sound of a mother's humming as distraction bolts as the man plunged into Henley's mind. Henley could deflect the intrusion. It would be as easy as pushing away a tired old dog seeking a bit of meat from his plate. But Henley knew any such defensive move would be as good as admitting guilt. The man tightened his grip and his breath whistled in his nose. Henley felt the spine-curling horror of spidery legs probing inside his head. He knew the feeling well. I see you are hiding something, the seeker said. What is this little thought you wish to conceal? Henley scrunched his shoulders, body instinctively seeking to escape the filthy mercosine intrusion into his mind. What is happening? Huff sent from far away. The Hargath? No, the Seeker. He knows I'm helping Dun Eeples. A feeling of exasperation came through the bond. You help a man who would kill you and Kyla? Huff's capacity for empathy was reserved for Henley, his littermates, and those bonded to his littermates, Kyla and Fallow, and it wasn't much empathy to begin with. An abrupt shift of the Seeker's exploration caught Henley by surprise. The man occupied a new place in Henley's consciousness, and he felt his resistance flutter away like a leaf on a strong wind. You are feeding the champion. Yes, Henley said without qualm, though part of him knew he was stupid to admit it so easily. How? I feed him the mercosine. A pause. The fingers tightened their grip, tilted Henley's face upward. Open your eyes. He obeyed. The seeker's severe blue eyes met his. Nostrils flared, showing dark hairs inside. His lips were flat, beard stubble patchy where his favored had failed to shave him evenly. Now that the secret was out, Henley saw no reason to continue to allow the man to stay inside his head. With an easy bolt of negated sound, he tripped his own ward, severing the intrusion. The seeker's reaction was entirely out of proportion, for his fingernails clawed into Henley's scalp and his body shuddered. The blue eyes rolled up into his skull and he trembled as if falling into a fit. Henley tore free of the man's grip and crabbed backward. The seeker regained control, swaying. Gathering himself, he stalked forward. A bolt of mercosine lashed out, but struck Henley's mind with as much effect as sunlight on stone. Henley's defensive wards were all in place now. Henley returned the favor, casually, not meaning to hurt the man, but merely to put him off. A bolt of light and heat, tossed with the same reflex as a man blocking a blow, struck the seeker. But something went wrong. Henley used too much power. The man flew across the room, struck the window, broke it, and fell through. A short-lived scream resounded in the arena, ending in a dull thump. A soft cry came from behind Henley. He spun, expecting a horrified novitiate or donsmaster. Instead, it was the favored girl he liked. Suwon. Quickly, she said. With me. <laughs>